Hello, I'm Kari Frazier, the founder of Detroit is Different, a content house for voices, thought, perspective, and information that definitely is needed. And today I come to you in collaboration and led by Riverwise Magazine, a content house that provides a magazine that gives community voice, progressive thought, and always advocating for human rights and against all injustice. And I'm speaking about the Ukraine-Russia conflict that involves America in a needed historical perspective for you to understand the interview that you're about to watch. World War II was a conflict that arose where world nations aligned with or against Nazi Germany. Russia and its leadership under Stalin fought off two-thirds of the German army while losing what's estimated as 30 million soldiers and civilians. This created a tense relationship with post-World War II Nazi Germans and Russia and its communist thinking and leaning. United Nations, after World War II, was created and formed as a peace alternative to create a forum where nations can avoid global war conflicts. Also, after World War II, NATO was founded, and it was created as a North Atlantic Treaty Organization to prevent conflicts with the then USSR government. NATO and Nazism have strong ties and a relationship. NATO's first chairman of military committee was Adolf Hausinger, who was a top appointing officer of the Nazi army and top friend to Adolf Hitler at the time. The foundation of NATO was under strong Nazi influence. The Ukraine has kept an uneasy relationship in leadership between Nazi Germans and communists and socialist Russians. And this has existed for decades. Russ Ballant is a local Detroiter that I interviewed about all of this and a foremost historian on this matter. In 1991, his book, Old Nazis and the New Right and the New Republican Party, received Harvard Review, International Notice, and so much more. In this interview, you're going to find out more from the perspective of what's happening in this conflict that you're not seeing on many of the other news outlets that are more accessible. But we challenge you to critically think of this whole matter. And not just take this interview or take any interview or take any article or any conversation to heart. But please use your critical thinking so you can be best informed about what's happening in this matter and so many more matters. What we do is we have a goal to inform. And we're definitely going to always advocate for human rights. And this is a very tough and uneasy time as we see war as never, never an answer or violence as an answer to solve any conflict. So please watch this interview, learn a little bit, share as needed, and pull out your perspective, historical thinking cap. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the Riverwise podcast here in the Detroit is Different podcast studios. This is a special interview that we have right now. Um, A lot of things are happening in the world as usual, but this time involving our nation, the United States of America, Uh, And what seems to be information of a looming war that involves Russia and the Ukraine with definitely a strong posture of a war stance from the American government to support Ukraine in what this war is. And it can be very confusing uh, being even that the president of Ukraine has said we do not want to go to war with Russia. Uh, One of our leading 
I guess, information uh, historian and someone that has put a lot of this into perspective is Russ Ballant. Uh He's been a friend of the Bog Center and Riverwise for a long time. And I thought that this is definitely uh, a reason to have more than just audio, but we need to add video so that I can have snippets of this information get out so we know and have a better understanding as it's overwhelming for many people. Many Americans probably don't know where the Ukraine is, uh, how America's posture and position with so much going on in our own nation right now is looking at supporting an ally, quote unquote, in war. And uh, what is... America's stance having a conflict with Russia being involved in this altogether. Uh, I found uh, a lot of my information that I have about this is from Russ Ballant as well. So with that being said, Russ, how are you doing today? Doing well, and I appreciate your hospitality, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what's happening right now. So yeah. first, um, you, you gave a great piece that you wrote. That has been shared through Riverwise, where you gave a historical perspective, not just of Russia and Ukraine and their relationship, but you also gave a historical perspective of America. And right now we are very well aware of the military industrial complex that has existed in this nation for, I'd say, probably even before the nation existed itself. Uh, With that being said, um, what... What's the thought process uh, you think of um, of a lot of politicians right now, not the president, but just other politicians when they're thinking about war, what's happening with war? And I mean, I guess as Edwin Starr would say, what is it good for? So what would this war be good for? Well, uh, I can't think of anything positive for anybody in this war uh, because, <clears throat> you know, uh, wars, when they're settled, are temporary settlements, you know, and we've seen this uh, time and time again. World War One was settled, but it, it was the seedbed for World War II, yes. okay? And, uh, and then we had uh, various uh, spin-off wars like Vietnam and uh, Korea and others uh, as a spinoff of the Cold War that came out of World War II. So uh, we have, uh, there, there's no, no permanent settlement, there's no permanent peace, there's just uh, a lull until, uh, you know, uh, the next conflict emerges into an armed conflict. And so the, uh, you know, the, the, peop- the, uh, the soldiers and the families of all these countries are the ones that pay. And mm-hmm. the leadership uh, uh, that uh, uh, the leadership always seems to get away with it, except a few that have to commit suicide mm. um, and uh, or get tried for war crimes, like in World War II. Very few got tried, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and so, I, I, you know, I take I take this seriously as a human being, as an internationalist, as somebody who, uh, you know, is active in his neighborhood but says this is, go, you know, this is a world situation and we have to rise to, you know, the Christ level of the crisis and respond as human beings. And the, the U.S. politicians that I've seen on this are all seem to be of, of one voice except for Donald Trump, but 
that that's that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But they 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 seem to all have the the same view, the same script, and I get the impression that they haven't studied it very much. So that that also leads to what you wrote. Uh, you wrote the first casualty of war is the truth. Amen. Uh, and, and you gave four great discussion points in this piece. And it's a short read. I encourage you to read. But as I know, life gets busy. So that's where this interview may serve in certain snippets to give some information. You pointed out four key things to weigh on uh, U.S. military spending compared to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And you gave a historical lens of that U.S. military installations around the globe compared to other nations. So for you all, are you wondering about what a U.S. military uh, installation is? It's basically having a camp, a, a war base or, or a military base in a foreign country. So could you imagine if if China had a military base inside you know, I don't know, like on uh, Van Dyke and Gratiot or, you know, Van Dyke, yeah. Gratiot, Seven Mile. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we driving down the street and then it's like, oh, that's just a Chinese base mm-hmm. that's there. Uh, so that definitely is something big. And you gave a whole map of where to look at all of these U.S. installations that and these are. And I, I know I'm speaking from the posture of what has been information, but mm-hmm. sometimes can be labeled conspiracy. But mm-hmm. these are the explicitly known. Yes, that's right. Locations. But that's there right. are a lot of implicitly known locations as now more information comes out of what's been happening in Africa and South America, especially throughout the 60s, 70s and the 80s and yes. even the 90s. So it's, it's known that there have also been other uh, what do we say, like implicit or, or co-opted? Co- or, and I would say even say covert. Yes, covert installations as well. Yes. Uh, and, and really, you're going to share some of what mm-hmm. we may look at Ukraine being some of that as well. Uh, U.S. invasions and coups since World War II compared to other countries. And also the U.S. relations with Russia and involvement in the Ukraine. So let's start actually the opposite up. U.S. relations with Russia and involvement in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the relationship right now mm-hmm. uh, from a person that studies this and also someone that uh, looks at the world as a community? Because it is a community. Mm-hmm. What's the relationship between Russia and the United States? Yeah. Well, uh, between Russia and the United States, uh, you know, uh, everyone thought that when the Soviet Union collapsed, that's what the whole Cold War was about. The Soviet Union was a uh, socialist uh, society uh, from 1919 until it collapsed in 1991, and uh, the United States, the United States, France, Britain, and I believe others invaded the Soviet Union when it was formed in 1919 to try and undo it because they they wanted the uh, the old system that they were related to, sometimes by family ties of nobility, uh, sometimes by financial interests, banks, and so forth. And uh, the U.S. invasions failed, and uh, the British invasions, all these invasions failed. And uh, ever since then, the Western world, it always had a fairly hostile posture. Uh, And then came Adolf Hitler, and uh, Adolf Hitler was, Uh, uh, prone to declare war on, you know, uh, and he declared war on the United States. The United States did not declare war on Hitler. That's how we got involved in World War II. Uh, After Pearl Harbor, the United States, of course, the next day declared war on Japan. Mm -hmm. 
Hitler, four days later, declared war on the United States. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, so the United States slowly responded to that. Um, but uh, so at that point, you know, uh, uh, Britain and France and all that weren't all that prepared. But um, they were involved in the war already uh, from 1939 and things weren't going very well for them. And they decided they needed an alliance, uh, a bigger alliance, and they allied with the Soviet Union that they hated because the Soviet Union was, uh, was also uh, being targeted. And so they all came together and uh, the, war, the war, obviously, as we all know, was won by our, our side, the Allies. And uh, most, of the, most of it on the European front was because of the Soviet Union. Now, let's, uh, let's stop right there, because as we talk about uh, one, of the key, one of the key tools in war, mm-hmm. and, and, and what's funny about this, and it's so uh, propagated, is propaganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I bring this up because most Americans are, are, are taught and learn that uh, America steps in as a... I would say as a savior mm-hmm. to what would be considered the allied forces or the the nations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that uh, that were aligned. And even this is where his story writes history, mm-hmm. the access of evil, as mm-hmm. they say, mm-hmm. uh, these nations that align themselves with the Nazi regime mm-hmm. and, and what Hitler was doing. Uh, and it it appears from Americans historical perspective, you would think Wow, America stepped in and, you know, France was was being murdered. Britain was being murdered. Even Russia was being murdered. And America stepped in and 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 basically cleaned everything up and took care of everything. America was Michael Jordan in a regular pickup game. Yeah. But history and, and most of these facts are known. A lot of that war that was won and fought was fought right in the grounds inside of Russia. That's right. During a time when uh, Russian history uh, even tells you it, it still was a lot of strife, even stabilizing how Russians felt about where things were going, as you said, because mm-hmm. some were more aligned with what uh, what defined uh, in Marxism and, and, and socialism. And, and then some were looking at other options. So it was not only fighting this war and millions were murdered, millions of Russians head on against this access of evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so this leads to the foundation, as we know, and, and shout out to uh, the the uh, classic Detroiter Ralph Bunch of the foundation of even what becomes the United Nations. But what I found in your writings, because I'm just unaware, I was ignorant to a lot of the foundations of NATO. And I definitely want to lead you down that path because mm-hmm. you gave a better lens of how to even look at this whole situation. Because the first question that comes to most people's minds is, what's the United Nations stance on this? And why is Joe Biden so reliant on NATO stance on this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. First of all, the, the United States tells NATO what to do. Uh, there's 30 countries in NATO now. Uh, it started in 1949, just mm-hmm. four years after World War II, uh, mm-hmm. as basically in a military alliance against the Soviet Union. Hmm. Uh, this is, and, you know, and as I say, during the war, the, uh, 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 Winston Churchill from England, uh, 
uh, Franklin Roosevelt in the United States and Joseph Stalin was head of the uh, Soviet Union. They had war meetings. They had understandings of uh, cooperation after the war and so forth. But uh, uh, it, once the war was over, the United States immediately turned on its ally. And, and when I say its ally, you know, it, if there had not been a Soviet Union to stop the Germans, uh, uh, the world would be a different world today, you know, because they not only defeated two-thirds of the German army, I mean, and they chewed them up. Mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was rough, you know. It was very rough war. Uh, they, they, Spain had sent 100,000 troops against the Soviet Union. The, the monarchies of Bulgaria and Romania sent in army divisions. The... Uh, the regent of Hungary, uh, Horthy, sent in uh, his the hun whole Hungarian army, and uh, and other countries as well that were allied with uh, Germany. Mm -hmm. So they took on all of these countries and all these armed forces on the Eastern Front, virtually by themselves. Mm -hmm. Now the United States gave them some economic assistance uh, during the war. There's uh, uh, some programs, but you know. You look at the the, the massiveness of, of of the assault, and uh, you know, and at first it went very well. Germany German army got within seventy miles of Moscow, mm -hmm. and then they decided Hitler figured, hey, we're just rolling over these people. We got to get some oil. Let's go south for a while, and that's when they encountered the Battle of Stalingrad, and that mm -hmm. became the symbolic and, and substantive of battle of the war and it was a long protracted thing and they chewed up the German army it took it was a monstrous uh, battle they chewed it up and started tearing back because uh, some new forces came in from other parts of Russia and uh, new technology new weapons new tanks new airplanes from uh, the Soviet uh, factories and and they just started tearing it up and they started marching the German army back to Germany uh, one battle at a time. And uh, at that time, the United States was not even on continental Europe. You know, mm -hmm. they fought in North Africa, and then in 43 they went into the uh, Italian peninsula and the islands of Sicily and stuff like that. But, you know, when it came to, uh, uh, you know, the central continent of United States wasn't there till the last nine months of the war. Mm. And everybody knows about D-Day and thinks, oh, D-Day is when the German army was defeated by the United States. <laughs> that, that, that was an important thing. It had to happen and uh, so forth. But that's not where the bulk of the war was. So mm -hmm. what the United States and Britain do after the war is they think, well, they got weakened. They lost 30 million people. Mm -hmm. We maybe we can just roll over them now ourselves and do what mm -hmm. Germany couldn't do mm -hmm. and did a total betrayal. So within, uh, within uh, two years, uh, a year to two years, you have uh, uh, the United States coming out with uh, strategies uh, and it was, it was in pu published in Foreign Affairs Magazine, which is the out, foreign policy outlet of the American elite, mm -hmm. uh, Foreign Affairs, is published by the Council on Foreign Relations, where they came up 
1947, articulated a, a strategy and a plan to uh, uh, encircle the Soviet Union and collapse it with, from within. Now, this is all so... This is all so real, intriguing, interesting, but also this is where our livelihoods uh, mm-hmm. as humankind mm-hmm. and the humanity, because on, on all sides, as I say, you know, the propaganda mm-hmm. and the messaging, because, yes, most Americans feel D-Day is when America saved the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even the branding. And I'm definitely not siding on any in any ways with it but even to brand something the access of evil Mm -hmm. but in the same way that light that uh nazism was recognized as the access of evil Mm -hmm. many of these german generals now after world war ii some were definitely it's funny it's kind of like january 6th some are made an example of you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying Mm -hmm. but many of them Mm -hmm. soon align themselves with Americans Mm -hmm. perspective of what's going on. And from what you're reading, NATO itself. Uh, It's even uh, in the last year of the war, uh, the top intelligence operative in Europe for the United States for just straight up intelligence, the office of strategic services before Mm -hmm. the CIA was formed was uh, Alan Dulles and Alan Dulles uh, uh, was a wall street lawyer he was uh, with the law firm Sullivan and Cromwell. He and his brother, uh, who would uh, Alan Dussel would later become director of the CIA. His brother would later become Secretary of State for General Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, and so they were very influential Wall Street operatives. And in the 30s, they were doing business with German firms and the Schroeder Bank in Germany. You know, the, these are the, this was the core where the core funding for Hitler's movement came from, okay? And um, they were not, you know, uh, anti-Hitler. And so mm-hmm. in, when he's operating out of his office, uh, I think he was in Vienna, based in Vienna, he, he was making contact with German generals to start building an American alliance before the war ended. Um, and <clears throat> after the war, he became the guy who started recruiting uh, prominent, form- some of the foremost Nazis, uh, uh, in the military-industrial-intelligence uh, complex mm-hmm. into uh, connecting into the United States and coming under United States uh, uh, funding and authority to begin a uh, plan to move against the Soviet Union after so, the Soviets had just defeated them. So, th- and, and I find this fascinating and very believable just being looking at the historical mm-hmm. uh the historical playbook of, of what's happened in the United States of America, but the Western world itself, just people and, and what war can 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 cause. Because so much of it, uh, when, you know, when I turn on a movie and I watch James Bond, it seems like, uh, you know, spy and espionage is, mm-hmm. a, is a person that's, you know, walking in a room and drinking a martini when so much of it really is misinformation. Yes, right. And, right. and leading one person to kind of just look at one part of a picture and not even questioning the total picture and and from the beginning knowing the foundation and that's why so many of my uh what i've learned um you know so many of the the especially some of the the jewish people i know that that tie into history have uh, such a a a a, kind of like the relationship we as black people have with america it's a it's not 
it's like, yeah, it's some opportunity here, but it also very recognizing the, the, the pain that this nation has caused because America on one end was definitely supporting the allies, but America on the other end was very supportive of the Nazi regime itself. Mm-hmm. And even after the fall mm-hmm. of the Nazi regime, mm-hmm. many of uh, it's, it's just known uh, a mm-hmm. lot of our military intelligence, NASA, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of our engineering, many of the the scientists and people that work and engineer a lot of these poisons, gases, mm-hmm. um, uh, chemical warfare come from Nazi Germany to places like California, uh, you know, Ohio, uh, mm-hmm. New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, you know, we aid in the bit Argentina and many mm-hmm. of these other places across the world. Mm-hmm. But here in American grounds, it's been a, 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 a connected relationship. And this puts a lot more into perspective, even just seeing that the foundation mm-hmm. of a lot of NATO dealt with that. Yes. In fact, uh, you know, sometimes when you talk about it, people want to where you get this information from, right? Yes. And uh, one thing I'd like to uh, say before I go on is that there's an outstanding book that was put together in 1986. It was published called Blowback. And that's the main word of the title by uh, Christopher Simpson. He's a professor at... uh, American University in Mm -hmm. uh, the Washington, D.C. area. And he Mm -hmm. spent years in archives doing freedom of information requests and interviewing people who were top uh, officials of it. There was already some public record because of congressional investigations. How how did these war criminals get in the United States, you know? Uh, There was investigations. There had already been stuff written about that. But it, this went beyond how did this war criminal or that war criminal or project paperclip that brought in the scientists. He went much deeper into the whole infrastructure. And, you know, basically this is the story is that the United States recruited uh, basically the, the top intelligence and command operatives of the Third Reich from the German general staff, from um, the guy who headed – intelligence operations on the whole Eastern Front, where he was uh, networked and employed these SS units that were based, that were Hungarian SS, they were Bulgarian SS, Romanian, the Iron Guard, uh, Valerian Trifa, the guy that got evicted from the United States that was out in Grass Lake, Michigan. Uh, he was a head of, one of the heads of it. Uh, he, he, this guy was in command of all of this and knew, knew the whole network. And if if he, when you're doing that work, that means that you're o- you're over the uh, um, all the uh, mass murder operations, you know, because mm. that's what these legions were used for in part, wow. especially in the Ukraine. And the main murder operation there was something called the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, which this is which is why what ties this discussion to the current events today. Because the organization of Ukrainian nationalists was um, was uh, was milita- militantly violent. They were at least as violent as the Nazis themselves, uh, mm. German Nazis, and uh, in some cases more. Um, they would go into uh, Polish. They hated Poles. They hated Russians, and they hated Jews. Mm. And uh, there was never anything wrong in any any. Uh, 
OUN mine if you just went up and killed somebody if they were Russian, if they were Polish. And, um, and, and during World War II, they formed uh, their own army. It was called the, by the acronym UPA. Uh, they formed battalions that marched in to Germany with the Russian invasion in 19, June 30th of 1941. Um, they, then they formed large armies. Uh, they had, uh, you know, somewhere near 100,000 uh, men in arms, all equipped by Germany. And um, they were running brutal operations. They, they, they not only uh, fought the, the Red Army, and the part red partisans, but they would just go into a Polish village and every man, woman, and child, they would just gut them and rip their bodies apart. Mm. Uh, they wouldn't shoot them in the head. They would rip their bodies apart. Oh. Um, and uh, just just horrendous uh, kind of operations. And, uh, you know, when they marched in with the German army, the first thing they did was round up the Jews. And it, this march in started at the city of Lov, L-V-O-V. And uh, the first thing they did is they round up the Jews, and within a matter of days, 7,000 are, you know, murdered in, in mass graves, you know, mm -hmm. mass pits and stuff like that. that. That's the organization of Ukrainian nationalists. And, and, I, uh, and the most militant wing was the Bandera wing, headed by a guy named Stefan Bandera, uh, who, was, who was like just uh, obsessed, uh, obsessed and crazy and uh, militant. And uh, had some apparently some charisma like Hitler did, but these are the people that the, the were under the control of a guy named a general named Reinhard Galen, and Galen brings this whole apparatus under U.S. Uh, into the U.S. control, and it became known as a shorthand as the Galen Org, but it was funded by the United States. And uh, they put put them up in operations in uh, in Germany uh, after after the war in uh, the Bavaria area, as I recall. That's where they set up Radio Free Europe, mm -hmm. and then they used the funding for Radio Free Europe to fund all these uh, Nazi groups. Uh, they brought they set up displacement person camps and brought had all all the people who had to escape uh, the red army because they were nazis or were sided with the nazis they put them in these camps screened them and placed them either in, from anywhere from argentina to the united states sometimes in spain sometimes in syria uh, and they didn't just recruit the arms section uh, they they recruited people who were part of adolf eichmann's extermination campaign as you know, Hitler devoted resources to just rounding up Jews, putting them on railroad trains, and putting them into the death camps. Mm -hmm. And so those people were not, you know, shooting rifles on the Eastern Front. And they recruited some of the top people who were running that operation. Why would you get somebody whose only specialty is organizing mass murder? Mm -hmm. But they did. Alois mm -hmm. Brunner was an aide to Adolf Eichmann. He was put in Syria as an operative for the CIA. Hmm. Um, that's an example. Um, and so this whole evil apparatus, not evil individuals as such, the whole apparatus was recruited into the CIA. And it was net, networked and housed in, in Franco's Spain because Fr Franco was an out. His whole government was created by fascist Italy and Nazi Germany in 1936-38. 
they overthrew the Spanish Republican government. And there was a civil war. The Germans bombed Guernica. There's a famous painting about it. They, they took over Spain. And they used Spain as the lead-in to penetrate the Western Hemisphere for, from the Mexico down to Argentina. Mm. And uh, that was its entry point. And that's why it was so important to them to take Spain. And they used it for housing all these uh, Nazi operations after World War II wow. that weren't into the Western Hemisphere. Uh, uh, you know. And so it was, uh, it was just uh, – just, it's – it still bothers me today, you know, because uh, all the price that so many paid, and all all that loss, and for them to cynically make a power play to say now we're going to take over the Soviet Union, you know, because they thought, well, we, you know, we conquered Europe. Well, they they conquered it maybe three or four hundred miles, <laughs> but they didn't conquer most of Europe at all, <clears throat> and. Uh, they they thought they were going to take over the Soviet Union and uh, and and the whole heartland of Europe, which was considered East Europe, not not France, n not Italy, but mm -hmm. the whole uh, eastern uh, part of Europe, and so uh, that's how it went. And there were Nazi collaborators in the uh, British government, uh, you know that that emerged after World War II and M MI6 and the British intelligence were part of it, mm -hmm. and so most of the Nazis surrendered either to the British or to the Americans. Wow, and that's how that's how it went down, and uh, and uh, and they, then they used all these operations throughout Latin America. They reactivated. They had these Nazi cells mm -hmm. all through Latin America, and they used them uh, for forming death squads. Uh, that still operate to this day. Now, this is deep. I, I mean, it leads to the, the what was the machine making the propaganda just filling the hearts and minds of people to 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 act in such inhumane and and to not see the humanity in others. What's mm -hmm. the propaganda machine behind that? What was the the catalyst to to even bring people in mm -hmm. and other hearts and minds mm -hmm. to agree with something like this? That fundamentally, they believe that the uh, it's racialized, uh, that my race and my people are superior to these. And these people over here are secretly trying to undermine and destroy what I stand for and believe. And they have to be destroyed. And that, that was the framework uh, for the anti-Semitism that uh, – go back a little on that. Uh, when there was a civil war going on in, uh, against the Tsar uh, in Russia, um, you know, prior – uh, in the early 1900s, uh, before uh, 1917, uh, 1905, that, that period – the Russians created this forged document. It was just uh, f created called the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. And this protocols pretended to be meeting minutes of this secret cabal of Jews who were planning world power and world control. And uh, they were going to destroy all, anybody who wasn't Jewish and you know, had all these e e evil elements to it. Well, 
you know, it was, um, and they were behind, uh, you know, the Bolsheviks and, you know, the Mensheviks and whatever that were trying to overthrow the czar. And so this was propagated to try and build support for the czar among Russian people who were anti-czar, you know, whether they were agrarian peasants, the, the social revolutionaries of the agrarian peasants or whatever they were politically, everybody was anti-czar. <laughs> and so he was trying to use this psychological manipulation and this uh, horrific lie for that purpose. Well, <clears throat> he lost, he got kicked out, and the people called white Russians. Uh, Russia was divided in the civil war between the whites, which were czar, pro-czar, pro-monarchy, and reds, which were for overthrow of the system and create a revolutionary new system, as they saw it at the time. And so uh, the whites were defeated, and they, they escaped from Russia, and a number of them settled in southern Germany after the war, um, and they started making, they uh, came into contact with Adolf Hitler when he was just starting out, you know, and mm -hmm. he was just starting to be an orator and get some attention. And they started to meet with him, and he didn't know anything about these protocols, and so they trained him on this outlook and this mentality and what needed to be done to organize this movement. And that's where Hitler got his whole worldview that the Jews had to be exterminated. He got it from white Russians and they, they worked together and they helped mm. him, uh, they helped get funding for his party and helped build the Nazi movement. They created a corporation called Aufbau, that's the acronym for it, and they helped build the Nazi party in t until it took full power in Germany. And, and this, um, <clears throat> this whole, this whole posturing as we, as we think about, uh, all of this being based on lies and propaganda, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. the whole, uh, the, the burning of the, of the, of the German monument to, to, of mm -hmm. like, look at these separatists. And that was, a mm -hmm. was propaganda as well. It's so yeah. much, misinformation and propaganda mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. filled the hearts and minds mm -hmm. uh, of the people. Mm -hmm. and, right. and, and, and I guess I can't, I can't look at things then, but I can kind of look at things now just looking mm -hmm. at in my lifetime, what happened mm -hmm. uh, in mm -hmm. Afghanistan and mm -hmm. uh, Iraq. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I was clearly talking to people and it'd be like, you don't support the troops. And I'm like, well, I'm not saying I do or I don't. I didn't know the troops are necessarily an entity to be supported, per se. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think troops are fulfilling the duties of what their service is. But I'm just questioning the fact that, like, I don't think. You know, being that Saddam Hussein wrote a letter saying, hey, you know, I, I it's unfortunate what happened with 9-11. I had nothing to do with it. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, you know, you're lying and it's mm -hmm. weapons of mass destruction and it's, it's, it's yellow cake. And it's, you know, it's just like so many things. And it's like, we got to go over there. And I'm like, I'm, I'm still thinking for the life of me, like, OK, w what's going on over there? And, and there's still so much that's not right unbalanced here. here. Amen. And, and so this whole question of the, the process of dehumanizing people so that you can ruthlessly and heartlessly exterminate yes. them. I mean, you know, uh, we have our own history in this country. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's, it, it was the same practice everywhere. You, you, you indoctrinate people into the subhumanity they, of, of whoever you want to eliminate and, uh, you know, and they, 
would do it with relish. The Croatian Nazis, uh, which were really created more by the Vatican in the late 30s because the, the, the popes of the Vatican, both, uh, the Pope uh, Pius XI and Pope Pius XII, were strongly allied. There's books on it, too, on this subject. Uh, strongly allied and made a concordat with Hitler. And they saw Hitler as the guy who was going to get rid of godless communism. Mm-hmm. And every se- any other question was secondary. He's, they're going to get rid of this atheistic country. And so they made their pact, and uh, they wanted to get rid of the Orthodox Church, too, which was, you know, they had split off centuries ago, you know, mm-hmm. from the uh, Roman Catholic Church and various yeah. uh, schisms and going back to the years 1054 and stuff like that. And so uh, they, they created uh, Nazi groups, and the— the Orthodox were, were, especially the Serbian Orthodox, were seen as subhumans, and, and they just, mm. they literally tore their bodies up, and, you know, it, it, that was the m- most violent, uh, inhumane, and uh, v- vicious place in the world in World War II was in Croatia. It was hmm. worse than the SS camps, hmm. and um, uh, and so you know why why people are susceptible to believing that somebody who uh, eats meats and talks and looks the same as me is subhuman and I'm not. <laughs> you know, it, you, you just can't. You just I, I can't. Think it's, it's, you just can't get your head around that. It, but it's also like I, I think, uh, and that's you know always been you know this is a side uh, Kari Fraser thing like I've. I've always found media fascinating, kind of connected to propaganda and what people can believe. And just sometimes the lack of critical thinking skills that we're exercising, because I know in America, you know, here, you know, you're hustling, bustling, you're, 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 mm-hmm. you know, you're taking care. You got your job, you're taking care of your kids, <laughs> covering your student loan. You know, you may be yeah. volunteer someplace on the weekend and, you know, you don't have much to, to go on. And then, you know, you have the posture. And, and I often talk about this uh you know, uh, Nazism is big on this, but even, you know, Stalin was big on this or, or many leaders, uh, the, the Vatican, I think a lot of them get it from that, the pageantry of it. You mm-hmm. know, you have these big open spaces, tall ceilings, uh, uh, red or blue, uh, mm-hmm. triggering different things. And this person giving you a speech and it's like, OK, everything in this mm-hmm. looks as if this is a, a expert based opinion. On something I should be perceiving. It's authoritative. Yes. It's not like he's in pajamas or something, you know, and and even those messagings are are, it's a subtext in understanding Mm -hmm. to not even say, you know, Mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. The whole uh, George W. Bush, you know, the Mm -hmm. the the we won speech from (laughs) from the naval base. And it's like you won what? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that kind of leads more to to now. Yeah. Some of these other points, U.S. military spending compared to the rest of the world. What's the relationship between the U.S. Mm-hmm. and spending so much money mm-hmm. on war? Like it was a it was something in this where you said that uh, right now and this is last year, the U.S. spent seven hundred and seventy eight billion dollars mm-hmm. military spending. So that's very troubling being the, the crisis that this nation was in. Sure. In 2020. And then you look at the next nine countries and add them all up. 
the United States spends more than the rest, the next nine countries in the world. And Russia's down to about the number four. Fifth. Is it four or five? Number four at yep. uh, 61.7 61. billion. Yeah. So yeah. that's like so almost like, what is that? That's It's 12 and a half times more spent by the United States than Russia on its military. Russia has half the population of the United States. It spends one-twelfth of what the United States spends on the military. It has a handful of bases around its border and one mm -hmm. in Syria. The United States has uh, various various years, you know, it, the number fluctuates a bit, but four to five hundred bases and uh, ports and camps uh, around the world. And like we said, those are the ones that are yeah. explicit. Yes, and those are the overt ones, yes, right? Yes, the overt And ones. you yeah, look yeah, at that map, covert, how many of them are in Africa? How many in South America? Yeah. How many in the, in the Pacific Ocean nations? You know, they're they're all they circle the globe. It's like the British Empire. They said the sun never set on the British Empire. Well, the American has a has a world system, and now they're escalating against China. They formed a four nation pact: uh, Australia, India. Um, uh, uh, I think Britain and the United States uh, to, to try and uh, contain uh, China. Mm -hmm. And then they decide to also, you know, go at Russia. If they could take over R Russia, if they could collapse the regime through this crisis in Russia, then they could use Russia if they could put a Boris Yeltsin type of character that they helped get elected in, you know, the early 90s to be run Russia then they could go after China. And, and, and I like that you said that because this is all kind of under the pretense of the U.S. is claiming that it is protecting Ukraine's sovereignty, mm -hmm. which even the Ukrainian president has questioned. So this has been such a unique debate because I, I'm looking at our president, uh, Joe Biden, mm -hmm. give speeches saying, the people in Ukraine want freedom. And then I'm looking at the Ukrainian president saying, look, we do not want war. That's right. Like, it's almost like I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. cool here. You know, like uh, and, and and then Joe Biden's like, oh, no, nah, he don't know what's best for him. That's right. That's right. And, Repeatedly. And how like. You know, so it's like it, it really throws my critical thinking off, kind of, because it's like I'm trying to dig deeper and even understand why is Joe Biden so concerned about you, the the sovereignty in the Ukraine when especially as a black man in America, mm -hmm. I'm looking every day mm -hmm. uh, uh, with these uh, just known as you talk about these Nazi. I mean, it's it's Nazi gangs mm -hmm. inside of most police departments. Yes. Right. You know. Right. So it's like yeah. <laughs> sovereignty in Ukraine. Yeah. What about yeah. sovereignty but here? Remember when we had the big four? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Up to 67. Started in the 1920s, the big four in the Detroit Police Department, re they, re they went down and directly recruited them out of the South, which mm -hmm. means they were Klansmen, probably. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that, was, uh, that was home. Uh, they, um, you know, Joe, Joe Biden is do doing more to take Ukraine Ukraine is considered a pivot point. It's got a large population. It's got a large agricultural uh, base, um, and it has uh, it has uh, it's an access point for energy. Uh, you know, natural gas and oil. It's bordered on the Black Sea, uh, and uh, it's considered strategically important 
for controlling the continent. Hmm. And uh, it has been seen that way for war planners from uh, not just the United States, but Britain and others, that ultimately you need to control Ukraine. Hmm. And um, uh, Ukraine really was historically part of Russia. It wasn't a separate country. Um, I think, uh, you know, they were, it's really a 20th century creation, okay? It's, uh, and, and that's happened so, in many places. And, so, and a lot of U Ukraine is still Russian in terms of its ethnicity and language speaking, the eastern part. And that's why when the United States got involved and didn't like the, pre the president of Ukraine, they had him overthrown. And that's going to lead us back to our Nat the Nazi links again. Uh, they had him overthrown. And then the people in the East who were ethnic Russians said, hey, we don't want to be part of this Nazi government. They knew who, they knew who the actors were. These guys were wearing the symbols of the German SS Panzer Division that raped Ukraine in World War II. Mm. <laughs> okay. So when they saw these guys wearing the, those patches, you, you didn't have to it, say it, a word. It'd be <laughs> they like knew what they the, were. it's the Confederate they, flag right. here. That's, that's exactly right. So it, right. it would be seeing that's the right. Confederate flag here. Yeah. And these guys also, by the way, did wear Confederate flags and yeah. in, in, in their political organizations that were, you know, mm -hmm. death squads also have political organizations in addition to all these paramilitary the way, apparatus. Um, the and way Dylan Roof was wearing the uh, the, the 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 patches of 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 the occupation of apartheid mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when he shot and murdered those people mm -hmm. <laughs> in that church in South Carolina. Right. Yep. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you so know, this so symbolism, they have, handshakes, they have it yeah. there. And so these guys see this and they said, hey, we're, we're separating from this government. We don't want to be part of this anymore. The U.S. Embassy and the Secretary Assistant State Department put the new government together after they overthrew the old one in 2014. OK. Mm -hmm. And they said, we're done. We're out. And they formed these republics and they split off. Uh, and so uh, the United States sent the, the, these Nazi formations, and I'm going to use the Azov Battalion as the name because they were, when we talked earlier about the organization of Ukrainian nationalists that operated in World War II and did the mass murders uh, in World War II and formed military divisions. To, they even formed an SS division that uh, operated at, near the end of World War II in Ukraine. That organization, led by Stefan Bandera, then, um, uh, you know, evolved into n new political names. They, they became uh, under the umbrella of the Central Intelligence Agency, and they were doing World War operations. Now, I'll just tell you this. I had my own experience with them. Uh, I went to these world conferences that were being organized with the Ukrainian nationalists, mm -hmm. the Latin American death squads the dictatorships of uh, uh, South Korea and Taiwan and uh, European Nazis. Mm. That's how I got to know who these people were. Mm. And I met them. I met the U Romanian Iron Guard. I mm. met all these people. I interviewed them. I talked with them. And then I did my research that I, you know, and I, which I had started a year or two before and uh, just really got deep into this hidden history of East Europe. And in the United States, they, they never really talked about what happened on the Eastern Front. 
No. Because then that starts exposing things and bringing people to ask questions, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, and a lot of these people, as is known, is brought into the United States. Uh, they brought 10,000 Latvians in the United States who were part of SS and German formations, German-controlled police units, and settled them in Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, uh, Pittsburgh, you know. And um, that's and Latvia is a small country, just two and a half million people. <laughs> um, same with the Ukrainians, same with the Romanians, same with the Bulgarians, same with Germans themselves, you know. Uh, the, since the Poles had, were exterminated by Germany, there weren't m many from the Polish yeah. uh, uh, world that came. Um, and the Croatians, the, the most scandalous murderers of all, uh, the Slovakian the Holinka Guard of the Slovakia, which was the Nazi formation of Slo Slovakia, also tied to the Vatican, is headed by a Monsignor of the Church. Hmm. Um, you know, th th this this all gets resettled, and so uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, so I met these people. They came from all over the world. Hmm. They 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 brought in uh, Holden Roberto, and. Um, uh, I don't think they brought in Budalese, but all, all these uh, people who were running military operations in alliance with the apartheid regime against the revolutionary and independence forces of Southern Africa, against the MPLA in Ang Angola, you know, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, 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 Roberto, and they tried to bring in Renamo. Uh, which was, you know, just doing scorched earth in Mozambique and uh, working with the Rhodesian regime and the South African regime, the white supremacist mm. regimes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the State Department wouldn't let them because the United States, and this is a Reagan State Department, didn't want their name associated with Renamo because they were just going in and massacring villages to destabilize mm. the Mozambique government mm. uh, and estimate 100,000 death toll. And uh, so that's th th that. That's that. These were all coming together and holding meetings, in one in San Diego, the next year in Dallas, and so I, I, I feel when we tried to tell the story, and I helped some people write a book about it. I gave them all the the data and the information and so forth, and the, all the fascists and Nazis and so forth, and uh, we couldn't get. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you a quick, a quick story. Ed Bradley was a producer for 60 Minutes yeah. for years. Mm -hmm. I had a meeting with Ed Bradley and his uh, producers mm -hmm. and told them the whole story about uh, the Nazi ties. And yeah. There was an ethnic arm of the Republican Party composed entirely of these Nazis. Mm. And it was an official f function of the Republican National Committee. Mm. And I gave them the documentation on it. And I even showed them one of their booklets where they praised a Nazi holiday. Yeah. And his, his producers, uh, really sharp, young black women, they all looked at me and said, we are going to do this story. <laughs> mm. Right? And then they called me up a week later that we were told to get off the story. Mm. And they were they were almost in shock about it. I could I could I, I, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I'm just as, as a like I say, as as a person that 
and it's so weird because I can mm-hmm. sometimes be labeled, ah, oh, that's conspiracy or conspiracy mm-hmm. theorists. It's like sometimes I don't even know if this is conspiracy, just knowing some of the things that has happened with uh, mm-hmm. the Contras, mm-hmm. the things mm-hmm. that I've seen happen with, uh, I mean, just right before our, my eyes. Mm-hmm. And like you say, the mm-hmm. authoritarian posture, I believe, disorients many from questioning certain things. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing I have to bring into question. The United Nations. What's mm-hmm. the United States Nations stance on this? And why don't I see that in my media? Well, the, the United here, here's an example example. The United Nations uh, uh, had a vote on a resolution was it about a month and a half ago that the resolution was that uh, we the United Nations condemn the glorification of Nazism. And, uh, the uh, uh, the reemergence of Nazism and the glorification of Nazism. Mm-hmm. The United States organized the, all of Europe to abstain from voting for that. They did not want the European Union to condemn the glorification of Nazism, but the United States and Ukraine voted against it. Wow! Time out! Time out! Time out! Time out! Time out! <laughs> wow! That's heavy. That one's heavy right there. The rest of the world voted for it. So all of Africa, all of Latin America, the Asian Pacific nations all voted to condemn Nazism and the United States voted against it. The United States voted against condemning Nazism. I mean, I believe it. It's correct. Definitely. Yep. And And under under the premise, like there's no letter, there was no we there's no. okay, we're going to take it a step further. We need to condemn. No, no. This resolution wasn't just put on the table and people voted. This was going this went through an elaborate resolution writing and discussion process. And the United States position was, oh, this is just a Russian trick. So uh, we're not, they're trying to embarrass the Baltic countries in Ukraine because the Baltic countries in Ukraine have Nazis. Wow. So it's a Russian trick. Well, we don't have any principles that we can stand on our own two legs on. That's why they did it. That's what they said. So, that, so the United Nations stance and posture, which, like I say, I don't see this. I see the NATO pers- mm-hmm. perspective mm-hmm. and posture, but... Um, now, did you read a headline in the Detroit Free Press about it? Or did you see anything on the network news about that? No, not It's not, not the not United a thing. Nations' fault that the American media didn't tell the people. Yeah. I did not see anything. Right. You know, and that's why, like, sometimes with these world stories, I, it's like I have to dig deep. I got to go to, you know, the Young Turk. I mean, I, I go... Mm-hmm. All side, even people I don't agree with. So it's like young. Tar- so mm-hmm. this is the Kari Frazier angle. You know, mm-hmm. I definitely look for anything <laughs> that uh, anything Shay sends. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're definitely in that mix. So Shay of Riverwise, definitely. So I'm looking Shay, uh, Rich Feldman, also mm-hmm. connected to the Riverwise family, yeah. the Bog Center. Right. And then it's like, OK, what can I get from the Young Turks? What can I get from um Mm-hmm. What can I get from Al Jazeera? What Al can Jazeera. I get from BBC? Yeah. I'm looking at, and then also I like looking at the American news, even the backwards American news. I'm even mm-hmm. looking at, uh, you know, what's his name, uh, the the crazy yelling guy, Alex Jones. Like I'm trying to. It's like if I look at all 15 of these sources, consolidate it, mm-hmm. and then apply critical thinking, and then understand the stances that most of these people even take. Mm-hmm. Now I can walk back and then come back in and say, all right. This is somewhat of a perspective right. 
Right. You know, versus, you know, ABC World News tonight. Um, America is posturing to support Ukraine as a war it seems imminent to happen. Also, we're talking about what's going to happen with, you know, when you need your fifth shot of uh, for, your, for your vaccine. Also, you know, it was a dog that that won the whatever race and Queen Elizabeth. Does she will she heal up from a covid? And then, you know, we're talking about the Oscar nominees. Have you watched all the movies? Dun, 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 yeah, you know, yeah, and then, yeah. you know, you get two seconds of, you know, someone back to you say the authoritarian stance it'll be like a, a reporter and and it'll be you know and i think this is intentional too usually eastern european it's a drab uh gray uh some of the most uh it, like it looks like that unbuilt uh county jail in the middle of detroit <laughs> and they're like about like you know maybe you know 200 yards in front of there and it's like i'm sitting down here in the ukraine and it's and and we're we're thinking and the people are afraid and then it'll be one person and then they're speaking another language and i'm looking at you know uh the language yes i'm very fearful for my family and da 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 da, da. you see what's going on and then it's like yeah to the next story snowstorm about to hit the whole east coast like right right you know, so in my mind, really, if if the only news I'm getting is from that bit mm-hmm. of world news tonight on ABC, I may only get like two and a half minutes under in so much of that subtext, that drab background. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never seen what Russia looks like until, you know, um, Detroit. It's a lot of Russians here. I know one of my friends, mm-hmm. uh, one of my friends is really close to one, like, you know, mm-hmm. like engaged one, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, he went to Moscow for a whole month. And I was like, what was it like? Mm-hmm. And, and once again, I feel like, man, I've been filled with the propaganda machine. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, man, they drink a lot of cognac over there. We were partying most days. You know, uh, Sergei Fedorov coaches a, a, a hockey team over there. We were, you know, it was it it mm-hmm. was pretty fluid. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, wow, you know, that seems interesting. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. completely different. Mm-hmm than the perspective Mm -hmm. of how America packages it of just a bunch of people lying in step and and dropping down to whatever Mm -hmm. Putin's administration wants to do. Yep. Uh, This is off battalion. I I realize I'm kind of hopping around, but uh, to to go back to uh, the organization of Ukrainian nationalists is is the core organization that brings uh, uh, these Nazi formations together. They had a political arm, called, it's called Right Sector. For a while they were called the Social National Party to reverse National Socialism. Yeah. They call themselves Social Nationalist Party. And they've used other construct names in the public. Um, uh, in, in Ukraine, after the Soviet Union was overthrown, or not, you know, yeah, overthrown and replaced, the United States supported bringing the Ukrainian Nazis in. They weren't just using them as cannon fodder. They brought them in to help take over the governance of the Ukraine. And over time, the Ukrainian government that they set up it issued pensions for the World War II Nazis that helped Germany. Wow. They set up sta- statues of Bandera the wartime uh, Nazi leader yeah. or in cities around in the, in the same In the same way that the daughters of the Confederacy had to establish those statues. So, so people mm-hmm. understand, like, the, the Confederate statue issue is bigger than you think. It was something of the daughters of the Confederate Army that did that, meaning mm-hmm. a lot of, like, under the wing of the organization saying that 
you know, if we build back up the ideal and perspective of these men and who they were, mm-hmm. you know, especially mm-hmm. post reconstruction, yeah. then that gives them their moxie, confidence and mm-hmm. attitude to continue on as men. But the subtext of that is you were correct. Mm-hmm. Or, or that thinking of, of Robert E. Lee was correct. Mm-hmm. That thinking was a better way of American life. They're there to be honored. And it definitely is to be honored. So this same, basically a lot of the playbook, as I'm very well aware that a lot of the Nazi playbook came directly from a lot of what happened here to yep. my people. Well, the Nazi eugenics laws were taken from American eugenics laws. Yes. Right? The American eugenicists got awards in Nazi Germany in the 1930s. Yes. Okay. Um, Funds were set up in the United States, specifically the Pioneer Fund, uh, mm-hmm. operating out of Massachusetts at the time, uh, was set up to continue eugenics because in the uh, later 30s, this, uh, the academic advisors to the Rockefeller Foundation said, we need to get away from this eugenics stuff. They started seeing what it, what it meant in real life in Germany. And they said, we, we got to get out of it. So Rockefeller pulled out of the eugenics stuff. And so Wycliffe Draper, a textile manufacturer, set up the Pioneer Fund to mm. make up for this loss of revenue. And it, it still exists today. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I spent a little time in a book. I did a book on these emigre Nazis and their tie to American Nazis and the tie to the military industrial complex and their ties to the death squads. Mm. Um, back in 1988 Mm. and the second version was published in 91 and one of the guys I focused on was a guy named Roger Pearson Uh, he was a British eugenicist who uh, had was active in organizing the Northern League which was a post-World War II reconstruction of Nazis that gathered in what was called the Tudorburger Forest of southern Germany to uh, go to these cultic pagan rites of uh, the Nordic race and all this kind of stuff. He was a real wacko. And he was brought into the United States, and the Pioneer Fund started giving him money, and he was publishing material on this. And he he published four books. And in one of them, he said specifically that if if the superior race does not exterminate the inferior race, they commit racial suicide. So it was mandated that the superior race exterminate, and it was his job to lay out who and why the inferior races, who they were, and why they needed to be exterminated. And of course, Jews were among that, uh, but everybody else. And mm-hmm. uh, so he is strictly Nordicist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this guy was put as head of a CIA worldwide operation called the World Anti-Communist League. Which was which was tied to the national whole national security apparatus of the United States. Mm. That was the group I went to meetings on, and uh, uh, Reagan wrote a fundraising letter for him, mm. and so forth. And this guy is just a straight up, explicit, open exterminationist. And, I mean, and, you and, know, it, you know, it just it just it just blew me away how prevalent it was, you know. And and I want to give this point to a lot of people too. As far as going to different sources, and I think right now, and and it's funny, I've I've been having more discussions of certain people understanding the backwardsness of thought Mm -hmm. in many, Mm -hmm. um, because we can be backwards in thought and we progress. Uh, 
but also understanding the context of a, a key tool in propaganda is giving some truth, mm-hmm. but it's deceit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm going to give you a breadcrumb of truth, a breadcrumb of truth, a breadcrumb of truth. And now I'm going to drop in the pivot. And you, yeah. I've, I've, I've won, uh, 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 I guess, uh, uh, I've won you. Oh, I've won your trust over <laughs> by giving you some of this truth, mm-hmm. showing you and exposing you this truth. Where now you're, you're, you're pulling back on what would be applying your critical thinking skills, because that's really what the root of even my commitment to to working with Riverwise or, 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 or Detroit is different. Like, don't just trust me. Don't just trust Russ. I mean, go out, look up this information like it is reliant upon us, especially in this day and age with have so much information, so much access to information and obviously access to misinformation. But people act as if misinformation didn't exist then. Sometimes mm-hmm. if misinformation in a book mm-hmm. can be more dangerous than misinformation on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Because it's back to the authoritarian uh, authoritarian posture. I like that term. I'm gonna be using that often now. <laughs> that a book may have because it'll have scholars. It'll have uh, it'll have notes at the bottom. It'll have oh well, you know, the university published this. I mean, would Penguin Publishing publish something that would be a lie? Like these are the thought processes mm-hmm. into people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just urge people to use critical thinking skills. And, and, and with that, as we get closer to a close, uh, what should the average Amer- like like what stance should Americans even have in, in, in this play to say, you know, to have an anti-war stance? You know, people mm-hmm. such as myself and you, mm-hmm. you know, most people would look at it and say, yeah, they, you're definitely going to be anti-war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. how how should. How should people approach mm-hmm. this to even know as I as I've never in my life, you know, and I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying? I, I've never in my life been more anticipating a state of the union address, not because of this situation as much, but this definitely plays a role. But I feel as though we have a sitting president that's very silent on many issues. That's correct. He 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 has not been. He has not given a context to many of. I mean, I guess most politicians' campaign promises are always. I don't even want to say be broken, but that's just the nature of politics. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. a parent. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. we're gonna do this, 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 and this. You may get. You know, half the stuff your parent, but because the context of stuff in, in politics is a is a, it's a group, it's an associative game. Even though when you they're campaigning, it's like yeah, mm-hmm. stars, moon, pizza, ice cream every day. But uh, mm-hmm. but I'm very interested in this uh, State of the Union address, mm-hmm. and even more interested on how these politicians that posture themselves mm-hmm. as against everything the other side says are now in unison. On this issue. And it's because that's where my critical thinking skills are triggered because it's like they disagree on everything. It seems like they're disagreeing on vaccines, masks, where where spending should go, school, public schools, charter schools, you know, and and I'm not even saying a stance, but our political system is very divisive right now, probably Mm -hmm. at the height of everything. But this is the issue that everybody's aligned on. What about this issue has aligned everybody when we're still in such a state of division amongst the general public right. and confusion 
amongst the, the general public. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. is this the issue that's bringing politicians together? Because, uh, because this is about the extension of American power in the world. And whether you're now, – now Trump himself, of course, has said and, uh, that he admires Putin. In other words, he's not supporting Joe Biden. Uh, but much of his uh, much of the, his allies support um, uh, uh, NATO uh, in the Ukraine and the use of these Nazis and so forth. Uh, Congress, by the way, does have a ban on funding the Azov Battalion and Ukrainian Nazis. But the administration is ignoring it. George Washington University just released a 112-page study documenting how these Ukrainian Nazis are embedded in in uh, Ukrainian military in such a way as that they the, nobody can detect them, so that they get the training that the United States wants to give them. And then, and then this this is the other 112-page study. Yeah, and they really went into it, and it's clear that the U.S. is doing this. One thing I'm, uh-huh. I, I, I think I've been a little neglectful on, uh, Kari, is uh, I, I want to also tell people, in just in terms of this, uh, the whole dishonesty in uh, you know power grab of this whole thing. In in the late 1980s, when Gorbachev was premier of uh, the the end of the Soviet Union. The, United, the Reagan administration said, look, we would like East Germany and West Germany, which had been divided since World War II, yeah. right? Uh, East Germany being under the control of the Soviets, and um, we would like to bring them back together. Do you object? He said, as long as you agree to not move NATO any closer to the Russian borders than they already are, I will support it. And they said, deal. And you know, and the Reagan administration for, kept their word on that, you know, and uh, they began the process of reunifying Germany. And uh, George Bush, when he became president afterwards for one term, he did too. But when Bill Clinton came in, he says, oh, I says, I don't care what they agreed on. He said, uh, 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 I'm going to do what I want to do. And he started moving NATO east. And then uh, – it can, afterwards, NATO moved up, and they put NATO now right on the border of Russia, going up from the, the Scandinavian countries and the Baltic Sea all the way down to the Black Sea. Mm. And so, and now the U.S. has put, you know, put uh, massive missile bases, and uh, and apparently there's two missile silos, you know, which means larger scale missiles, mm-hmm. one in Romania and one in Poland. They've got these missile batteries that can fire cruise missiles and all sorts of things. Those go a thousand miles. They can hit. They can hit ver- most of uh, Russian cities, you know. And they've put all this huge military emplacement, troop formations, and Bi- Biden just moved more troops there. But he said, "Well, we're not going to put them in into uh, into Ukraine. American troops won't be fighting in there. But they can be shooting missiles." They, they can be running aircraft. <laughs> they can be shooting n- yeah. from naval artil- artillery or n- naval aircraft uh, and still participate in and, some and, way or other. But, you know, he, he acts like they're going to be there for humanitarian. You don't need the 82nd Airborne Division for humanitarian work, you know. There's going to be something going on there. And so uh, the United States repeatedly broke. And so when uh, Putin has been saying, look, we want to guarantee that Ukraine will not become NATO. 
because once a country is NATO, all the other NATO countries are treaty-bound to use its military to support that country if it's invaded. Mm. So once, once they're in NATO, that's a, the United States is saying, we will send our army in to protect your country. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that's uh, a pretext for U.S. setting up bases, and then the United States takes control of the Ukrainian military. That's how the whole thing works. And, and then let me let me say this. And, and the point that I was going to say even uh, earlier, first off, I mean, so much of this, we're going to keep driving that whole point home of propaganda yeah. because even in propaganda, as we find, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the government are posturing and say we'll never work with uh, any any nation that uses child labor or, 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 or sweatshop labor or something like that. And then they'll turn around and yeah. So like, all right, technically corporation or nation, you're not working with them, but then you're going to subcontract to somebody that's going to subcontract to subcontract to the company that's going to do that. Mm-hmm. It, it, so, so to say that you're going to disassociate mm-hmm. imposture like that, but still support. And being black in America, we saw that actually after the fall of Reconstruction. Yes. It, it was, you know, um, the the stance of many of the, as they say, I guess, northern uh, politicians at the time was not a stance of we're against Jim Crow or anything. It was very understanding. Furthermore, supportive in many ways. Mm-hmm. Because the thought process is if, you know, Lyndon Johnson, you know, if as long as those poor white guys feel like they're better than those black guys, then we have a safe nation. So that's something that they can do. And that's cool because it keeps order and restraint in our nation, mm-hmm. quote unquote, the race problem, mm-hmm. as it was labeled then. Yeah. And this has been a play across the world. And in reference to the whole concept of the invasion of the country as I really have a trouble with that whole term terrorism because it's so hard to like, mm-hmm. what do you label a terrorist and what do you label not a terrorist or terrorist act? But uh, bringing it to more people's attention more recently, the during the George Floyd, after George Floyd murder, you know, you had the you had the guy in the, in the black hoodie on and all black and he was bashing out windows of, of the Target store. And they're like, who's that guy? That guy needs to be stopped. And then you later find out that that's a police officer. Mm hmm. Things like that happen all the time. So it's like, okay, as long as Russia doesn't invade, we're cool. Mm -hmm. But who's to say that some of these NATO troops, some of those other forces Mm -hmm. come in and act as if, Mm -hmm. you know, I put on a Russian suit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to act as if I am Russian Mm -hmm. and I'm invading Mm -hmm. because this has been played time and time and time and time again. There were no weapons of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The more that I found a you know, beautiful documentary on Vietnam that, uh, that PBS did a couple years ago, and, 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 and sad, like, I mean, family members, my uncles and stuff, like, the soldiers didn't even know why they were there. The Viet Cong and a lot of the Americans, they didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, something that was held up since France, like, even further back, as you say, going back to World War I, which in my lens, and that's especially in Afrocentricity, dealt a whole lot with colonization of Africa and, right. and, 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 and European nations wanting their fair share of Africa and certain nations feeling like I was left out. I'm getting my cut of these natural resources in Africa. You know, the root 
of how I see World War I, which right. led to World it War was, II. It was about colonialism. Yes. Totally. So, so this, this same posturing, mm -hmm. you know, and these same stances as Lyndon Johnson lost the hearts and minds in support of Americans and, and things were different then with mm -hmm. news and media and, and, and seeing these death tolls and even the anti-war movement that many uh, people like Rich Shea, um, my father, I'm guessing yourself, started, you know, Edwin Starr, war, what is it good for? I mean, that started then because people just didn't even understand. It's not like, you know, nobody's, you know, it, it's not a direct attack. And even right. now, as we know more about what Pearl Harbor was, that wasn't what the movie presents itself as either. Um, how, the propaganda is a key element in this. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's that's what leads me to, you know, knowing that these politicians that are adversarial on almost every issue mm -hmm. can come together on this. Mm -hmm. Who are most of these politicians you think taking their cues from? To, to say, okay, I'm going to support this action. Well, all these politicians have ties to generals. They have ties, you know, uh, they might support uh, Boris Johnson in Britain. Uh, they have ties, various ties that could call them up and say, hey, you know, bury the hatchet on this one, you know. Uh, we're, we're all working on this NATO. This is a, you know, full thrust for NATO and this isn't about whatever, um, you know, uh, and, you know, how they build consensus, you know, through shaping of public opinion and propaganda, but also inside networks, you know, and people don't think of, uh, generals being lobbyists, but, you know. Uh, m most members of Congress know a general <laughs> to one degree mm. or another. And, of course, if you're on the Armed Services Committee, you know a number of them. And, uh, and you get some of your uh, key senators and legislators uh, uh, keyed on it, and they go talk to their colleagues, you know. That's, that's kind of the way I see it. The military-industrial complex has enormous power. That's why – the Soviet Union could collapse and the military budget kept going up every year and had gone up every year as if the Soviet Union was still there. That was the boogeyman that drove the high military budgets. Yeah. But once it was gone, it was like t terrorists from around the world. It was always uh, this evil force in the world that we were combating. Uh, but it was really driven by the political economy of military spending and the military industrial complex and the ties to politicians that it engendered. But, uh, there, you know, when you talk about propaganda uh, in, in, in all his press releases, you know, all his commentary, Biden says we want a diplomatic solution. That's the ideal. We want it. But when Russia says there's two things that we want, you know, uh, we – we, we want, want NATO far from our border. We, yep, we want NATO far from our border, and um, and, and what's the other one? Um, we, uh, uh, you know, we don't want we. Well, we don't want Ukraine become part of NATO, and um, uh, you know, honor what you said you were going to do back in the 1980s. You weren't going to move NATO here. You've massively relocated NATO right on our borders. And so when we put some troops there, you act like we're being the aggressors. <laughs> but we got to protect our borders. Any nation would do the same thing, right? So Biden says Russia's de key demands are off the table. We won't even consider them. So let's now let's negotiate. 
No, you just said you aren't going to negotiate those. You said they're non-negotiable. So when you say you want to negotiate, you're trying to look like you're being fair. That's 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 but propaganda. But what you're doing yeah. is uh, yeah. posturing. Yeah. You're not negotiating because there's yeah. nothing unreasonable about saying keep hostile military forces away from my border. That's a reasonable yeah. request. Yeah. And the United States faces zero threat from Russia. Poland and Hungary aren't threatened by Russia. I mean, the Ukrainian Nobody's president threatened. said that I'm yeah. not threatened by Russia. That's right. There you go. And yet, and then when he came to the White House, he got lectured down for saying that, you know. We have better intelligence and we know more than you do. Which they that did, right there is part of mm-hmm. the propaganda from Iraq. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have better intelligence right. than you have mm-hmm. in your country mm-hmm. yeah. about stuff that's happening in your country. Yeah, and, and on the border of your country. So, um, you know, because uh, uh, the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, uh, his m- minister of defense was a former Soviet o- army officer. He knows th- that system. Mm-hmm. He knows that whole system. And he knows it, how it, you know, formulates itself for an invasion you know mm-hmm. he, you know he's not stupid I mean, they got their own ability to figure all this out yeah um so you know the you know the uh the prospects of this becoming something uh horrific and bloody and other nations jumping in you know uh because the United States is bribing them. Turkey is sending uh, drone missiles to uh, Ukraine. The United States is paying for it. Turkey's a, where the headquarters of the land forces for NATO are headquartered. So basically, the, the, the only nation supporting this, and this is why I'm not hearing anything about the United Nations, mm-hmm. are the NATO nations. Mm-hmm. But what you're telling me is that as a NATO nation, it's like I've already signed a contract it, mm-hmm. it'd be like you know it, it'd be like uh i don't know you're you're my brother you get into a fight it's like even if i really don't want to fight with you i'm gonna go home and my mom gonna be like why you ain't fight with your brother mm-hmm. so it's like I, I, there it the context of it and i guess america must be the big big brother in this or in this situation because i'm sure if one of these nations got into a fight that america didn't support they would Mm -hmm. (laughs) probably not support it but the rest of these nations Mm -hmm. probably are giving money resources Mm -hmm. uh these bases across the world Mm -hmm. if if you're in support of this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh is a is an advantageous position Mm -hmm. for political leaders and leadership Mm -hmm. um well i still ask what's the justification for the existence of nato it was supposed to be to uh, form a military bloc to stop the Soviet Union. There is no Soviet Union. There hasn't been one for 30 years. So mm-hmm. what's the existence of NATO? NATO's been expanded, and they put, all it is is building a mil- larger military bloc for the United States control, and they used it for the inva- wars in Iraq. They recruit 14 of NATO members joined the United States in the invasion of Iraq. Mm-hmm. So they're using it for larger imperial designs um and it's it's an instrument of policy it's not there to defend anybody it's there to control wow it's an it's an extension of empire that's deep i um i i would i would hope that moving forward 
the next interview we have you back on Riverwise. we're not talking about this and the tragedy of this all signs point to like it's a go because i have not seen joe biden take a political posture like this sadly since he was against school busing you know yeah. historically yeah well know. i wish he'd feel as militant about uh fighting the trump trump work trump world january 6th yeah you got that right and, and and i mean it's it's almost like it's such a list of things that yeah. i i wish he the, could the, the touch whole, on the whole range of stuff that this supreme court is going to uh wreck and overturn yeah. where, where, where's his voice yeah he had a voice when he first started. Maybe we'll add some Supreme Court justices. Haven't heard a thing about it. Yeah. I, and, you know, he's going to let them create wreck and ruin and he'll be focused on the Ukraine. Yeah. And that's and that's what now, I hope is here, buddy. Yeah. And, and I hope, uh, like I say, I hopefully we are talking about, you know, um, something different. Yeah. But this was I appreciate the interview and I'm going to look to definitely get this into some segments for you all to share, because I know this is uh, we, we went an hour and 20, but I didn't want to, you know, it can't all be condensed. But I'm going to give you guys some snippets for you to share and then feed people to get some more of this information so that we're aware, because this the the bigger fear I have. And this is a Kari Frazier point is other times. Our, our nation was more united in the whole. It, it, I mean, as Americans, hearts and mind matters uh, matters a, a lot here. Mm -hmm. Even as I when after 9-11, I was one of one people saying, man, I'm against that. And people were almost looking at me like ready to throw a sandwich at me or something. <laughs> um, but hearts and minds of the people, we're very we're still very. Uh, segmented, we're very. Uh, uneasy we're very angry it's it's a it's I, I haven't seen our nation at a point like this and then also being that you know this is an old school i mean there are drones and stuff like that but mm -hmm. one of the key things that uh the democratic party even pointed out was like you know russia's using propaganda to to influence american russia uh, american media and things like that's the other thing i mean right now propaganda is kind of fought through facebook and just you know it, it can take a and when i say fought through facebook sometimes it's not even necessarily saying putin's a great guy it could be right. you know somebody dancing on tiktok which is still owned by the chinese government for most people that know and right now it is the most popular um platform of social media in america because i know that america i know you know as far as i'm concerned you know it's like Donald Trump stepped in and said, we won't have this Chinese entity in America, so we're going to force them to sell it. It's like, I mean, I'm, I'm smart enough to recognize that the relationship between business and, and, and business, government and money and propaganda when we're talking about social media is played. So I don't even necessarily know the presence of mind in support for this, mm -hmm. even for the soldiers that will be participating in this occupation for mm -hmm. their paycheck mm -hmm. you know being a soldier is different nowadays you yeah. know i mean it's no credence clear Clearwater revival you know can't even make the song called fortunate son right now because <laughs> the whole concept of like yeah obviously nobody wants to go to war mm -hmm. people are soldiers reluctantly usually mm -hmm. for even even in these white supremacist gangs and stuff like that mm -hmm. uh the soldiers reluctantly really just for a, a way of life. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you mentioned uh, uh, all this propaganda again. Uh, one of the instrumentalities that I think very few Americans know about is something called the National Endowment for Democracy. 
don't know if you've heard of it. No. But this was created in the Reagan years. They said, you know, there's a lot of things the CIA is funding that should be funded publicly. You know, we're going to put it out. So they started funding newspapers, political organizations, and they they have a breakdown of entire world and they're funding op- political and media activities and cultural activities in all these countries. Mm-hmm. And so they have put hundreds of millions of dollars into funding political organizations in Russia mm-hmm. of media organizations, of cultural organizations. Uh, and so all these people that are out there when they're rallying and stuff, it was organized through CIA instrumentalities and the National Endowment for Democracy. And, uh, and, uh, and then they say, we object to Russia interfering with our elections. Well, of course, anybody would agree with that. But you, you have been running political operations and protests against the government and all sorts of programmatic activity to undermine and discredit the government in their own country using U.S. taxpayer money. And you, you would object. You object to any country would do being doing that in the United States. You're not allowed to set up uh, an operation funded by Russia in the United States to and do the same thing. And that's what's so funny. It's, it's all one sided. Yeah. And what's so funny is it's still going I, on today. I was going to say I, that's. If, I, I'm going to check that it's out. Been, it's been going on for uh, almost 40 years. Would, National Endowment for Democracy. I would check that out, and that makes yeah. that's that's. Yeah. But I, I would go as far as to say, like, just due to where things are and just the the consumption attitude mm-hmm. that we as Americans kind of fall into you know we're we're some of the most <laughs> we as a populace are very uh easy to be swayed mm-hmm. convinced of things we're mm-hmm. we're some of the easiest to influence mm-hmm. let's put it like that mm-hmm. uh especially as segmented as we are Mm-hmm. So taking this posture could be one of not only a, a position of peril for Biden's administration, mm-hmm. but it could be possibly a position of peril for the American way of life even moving forward in the future. Because mm-hmm. it changes the perspective of even the way the world looks. Because, you know, I, I've also seen that a lot of the other world leaders that we look at as, I guess, quote unquote, strong nations, or mm-hmm. the, the allied forces or whatever. A lot of these allied leaders have met with Putin and seem to be siding with Russia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you create a relationship where France and Canada Britain and China and Japan mm-hmm. kind of side on, you know, mm-hmm. side on certain issues together. Mm-hmm. It only creates more conversations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Germany and France have been working together for a negotiated settlement independent of the United States because they don't want a continental war. Mm. There's, you know, there's not a big consensus in Europe for having another a third world war <laughs> but that creates a stronger yeah, relationship yeah. between russia france and germany right. as right. this happens so it's almost like you 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 you're cutting your nose to spite your face if this is the position mm-hmm. that you're taking so it's almost like you know do they create their own nato which mm-hmm. obviously probably is something they're thinking about as the european union they won't no none of them will buck nato none mm. of them nato is too powerful mm. In their own countries because let's face elected officials think they run the country but the military apparatus can do them in if they want to 
That's deep. Thank you so much, Russ. This was Amen. a great discussion. Uh, you know, Curry, wonder if I can give my email oh, address. Oh, please do. Give yeah. give your email. Talk yeah. about your books. Um, sure, sure. Please do. Uh, I made my name simple. I'm 73 years old, so when I get senile, <laughs> as long as I know my name, I'll know my email address. So it's just Russ Ballant. That's R-U-S-S as in Sam Sam, B as in brother, E-L-L, A, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, at gmail.com. Russbalant at gmail.com. And um, I will email you the piece that we talked about today on Ukraine. I will email you the book I did in 1991. There's no cost. Uh, this is all free, but it's digitized. And uh, mm. just trying to get the word out and let people know uh, the underlying realities that exist in this country that we can't get out. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Corey.